What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Peyton Collier Podcast. My next guest is a country artist on the rise here in Nashville. His new song, Just a Jonesin, is available now on all streaming platforms. You can trust with this guy's tunes, you're always going to hear traditional country music sounds, beautiful melodies to touch the soul, and uh, he's a super down-to-earth guy who, who I'm a big fan of, and I, I'm excited to see where he goes. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the one and only Zach Top. All right, all right, all right. We're sitting here with Zach Top today. Zach, what is up, brother? How you doing? Man, just living it up, I guess. Thank you so much for letting me be here. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this and Hopefully we have some good conversation that interests the folks. You've uh, had an awful lot going on lately. I think just last last Wednesday you were at the Opry, right? Yes, sir. We were there Tuesday night. Actually, oh, nice. we should just stay the night in place. There you go. Call, yeah. Well, how right. many times have you been there? That was to, per, I, to perform. Of right. Course. I I think that was my seventh um, time on there. Seventh or eighth? One of the two. I want to say seventh. When did you first debut? I debuted July. 21st last year. So you've done it seven times in a year. Yeah. That's awesome. So kind of like once you get in that camp, are you kind of in a rotating wheel of people that they'll call? I don't know that that's always the way it goes. I know there's a lot of people that's been on there once and made a debut or something, had a hit on the radio, and it's like, well, we ought to do the Opry thing, and they don't get called back immediately. Um, and... But they, uh, the Opry crowd over there was really good to me. Um, we went in there. I just got signed by my publisher, Major Bob Music. Um, and they kind of immediately started managing me as well. And uh, they took me over there. Bob Doyle runs that company. And um, he knew all the Opry crowd real well. Uh, their whole crew over there, Dan Rogers and all them. And uh, so he introduced me. I played a few songs live for him, um, just me and the guitar. And uh, they called back a few days later or something and was like, hey, would he like to go ahead and do a spot on the Aubrey stage? And, of course, I'm like, well, yeah, twist my arm. Um, but uh, the, I really wasn't expecting much out of it. We were, you know, doing all the rounds, meeting all the people, introducing me to everybody, and just trying to get my name out there and make people aware that I was around town and um, and so it was a pretty big surprise for me <laughs> that they, uh, they called and said, Hey, does he want to be on? So is there a sensation of like <clears throat> validation when, when you get the green light to stand in the golden circle? Oh yeah, absolutely. It yeah. was, you know, it's obviously if you're in the country music, let alone, uh, trying to be a country music artist, it's, that's kind of the Holy grail, uh, in a lot of ways. And so that was always, you know, a thing I wanted to do for a long, long time and never thought that it would come along that quick. And so I think they, uh, um, yeah, I felt like I could be, you know, one of the newer up and coming artists uh, that was still carrying on the tradition of what the Opry's been for so long and uh, wanted to embrace that and were kind enough to give me an opportunity to share my stuff on the stage. So I imagine they ate you up because... Uh, you are playing real country music, brother. <laughs> yeah. um, I know it's such a, I, I know that's probably the torch that you're carrying with you. I love when I go through your social media and anytime you post uh, one of your songs, all, all of which I love, um, and it, it, all the comments, you can just see flooded. Like, this is real country music. There's, there's not a single person that's like, this is that phony yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. country rap stuff yep, or whatever, yep. which there's a place for all that, yeah, of course, man. in I this world. I ain't going to knock anybody. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, as I told you before we started, I think you are a beacon of light in country music in the modern world. Um, just preserving the sound, uh, pre <coughs> excuse me, Good. preserving the sound that so many of us, I think there's just a nostalgia with your music and your sound because people cherish that 90s kind of country sound. Mm -hmm. And the people you got playing on your records, I know Brent yep. snuck on there. He actually oh, told yeah. me that. Um, I oh, really? I, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, but we... Uh, we got margaritas with him one night Yeah. Um, after he and I did our podcast. And uh, I brought you up um, after That's the Kind of Woman I Like came out. He's okay. like, oh, man. He's like, Zach. He's like, that guy's, dude, his voice. He's like, it's yeah. like Joe Diffie or something back yeah, yeah. in the day, the kind of power. Yeah. And you could tell, like, that's a guy who has 
been doing the been in the industry for at least you know 40 years yep. that that recognizes that and gets excited about what you're bringing to the table i mean how does that make you feel dude it, first of all thanks for all the kind words i really appreciate that and um but yeah that's you know there's it's hard to, for me at least to get a better uh, seal of approval than have brent excited to uh play on my stuff and you know it's it's fun just talking shop with him i i try to be a guitar player i'm more of a flat top player i've really dove into the telly world so i try and pick his brain every time i see him a little bit and he's super gracious with his time with me just talking about rigs and talking about guitars and whatever amps whatever i want to talk about he's really happy to do it and he's been super kind to me and uh but yeah it's it's pretty awesome to that's the guy we all looked up to you know as far as country guitar goes and there's it, I, I, there's a bunch of other great guitar players that i love and who have been you know influences to me roy nichols or ray flack or jerry reed i freaking love jerry reed which obviously was a huge influence for brent too um but that's that's kind of the pinnacle as far as country guitar um as far as i can tell and well i can't leave vince gill out of that list either um he's another big one and a uh, guy i've recently got to meet but brent is it's hard to it, it is a great feeling when he's pumped to you know he's really effusive when we come in the studio and stuff he's really always seems excited that it's like oh man i'm glad we're you know cutting some more of your songs love the songs and love to be able to really you know turn him loose and and play a little bit and so it's it's definitely a great feeling to have him excited to to be a part of uh what i'm making so when you're in the studio with a guy like that um and you've brought your song to the table how, how much contribution like verbal contribution are you giving to the licks that are going to be on your songs are you like yeah that kind of amos moses little liquor at the top there yeah, you know yeah. your song that's that's the kind of sound we want so what role are you playing in that for your own songs um a pretty decent one as far as like big signature licks like that um it's you know you bring up the kind of woman one that was one that i came up with that when well i came up with it obviously it's very reminiscent of jerry reed's amos moses amos moses and not to discredit no. it by the way it's a perfect no like, yeah uh, i didn't take it that it's way like a, it's like a nod but completely yeah. its own thing yeah so. I, I don't want to be copying anything anybody did but yeah the, you know stuff like that and it it just came out natural uh when we were writing that song and i didn't even think of it till after is like i'd lived with the song for a couple of days and then like was listening it's like yeah, that's that's something there. I need to figure out what that's on top of. And mm -hmm. <laughs> sure enough, the Amos Moses thing. But as long um, as you're not singing about alligators, exactly, <laughs> exactly. We kept the subject material far enough away. They they can't accuse me for ripping off the whole song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess a lot of the writing process, like um, it, uh, a lot of that is musical for me too. Like I think when I'm when we're writing a song. Uh, I'm always hearing it kind of eventually as a finished product, how it's going to come together with a band the whole way. And uh, so those signature lick things like that one and and like the cold beer and country music's got that. Mm -hmm. um, that stuff is all stuff that I kind of come up with for the most part while we're writing. We lay down a little work tape, just acoustic and vocal. Um, and that's what we play for the guys when we go in and do a session. They hear just me and the acoustic. Um, pardon. Um, for before, you know, and they've got it chartered and everything, and then we go in and cut it. And uh, so oftentimes, and that's another thing that's just, you know, made me kind of jump over the moon is every now and then Brand will be like, man, I, that, that lick on the front of that, that was cool. I like how you did that. And it's like, shit, oh dear, Brent Mason likes my lick. All right. And so he'll often take, you know, some of that signature stuff that we write the song with, he'll do that or a version of it uh, somehow. Um, and then, you know, as far as solos and stuff, it's just, man, do your thing, do what you feel. He's, <laughs> there's nobody better. So, but on some of that signature stuff, it's, um, he's been kind enough to say my licks are okay and kind of emulate them a little bit when we go cut. So to just be clear to people that are listening that may not know, we're talking about your song. That's the kind of woman I like, yes, which sir. came out like three months or so ago, right? Yeah. Was it um, May or something? I believe so. Something like, something like that, yeah. uh, which is so good. I, I love to just the lead guitar. I, I think uh, there, you, you kind of want it to just burn it up and tear it to shreds, but yeah. it's very, uh, subtle like keeps you yearning for more i mean yeah. and so i think the solo section 
which has you know a unique chord progression in it yep. anyway. Um, that the that guitar run at the very end of the solo because I think it's fiddle yep. uh, and steel yeah, the, like the main most that solo is all fiddle yeah yeah and then Brent you just hear him kind of wind up wee, 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 yeah you get you them know? couple bars at the end where yeah. you just let him run <laughs> and yeah yeah and and uh, it's just uh, it's it's musicians country yeah you know is what your your songs are I think yeah. you know at least that song for sure. And, uh, and I appreciate that. Yeah. And it's, there's something to be said about it because I talk, I talk a lot about how, why nineties country is so special. And that kind of nostalgic country that we all love is so special is there was a highlight of the musicianship in combination with the best songs that could come to the forefront. And prior to Brent and the players and the cats like that, it wasn't like dudes just, tearing it up on the electric guitar. I mean, so the athleticism of what Brent's doing in a song, like even in like the Chattahoochee solo, yep. some that everybody knows yep. um, is prior to that, it was rare for it to be combined other than, you know, steel guitar. I mean, there's always been great musicians, but the yeah, point I'm course. trying to make is that um, nowadays, a lot of our licks are a lot simpler, especially in radio country. And it's yep. very, you know, um, sing song power chords. And, yeah. Yeah. So the second you hear that's the kind of woman I like kick off. You're like, these country boys mean business, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that's the effect. It has. And I love to, um, and you know, I'll do this more with you cause I'm such a fan of, uh, your songs and the ones that are out. Uh, but you know, I, I really appreciate too, from a writer's perspective uh, i'm a huge lyric guy i know we've you and i before we started we're talking about dean dylan we'll dive into oh, yeah. him too um but in that song the first lyric i think is one that's a friday night firecracker yes sir that, that you want to hold on to yeah and then one that's a sunday morning go to church or that you want to sit next to yeah so i appreciate that alliteration you know Thanks, and there man, i yeah. mean that song's an absolute heater i'm wholeheartedly a fan of it. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I got to give credit to old Carson Chamberlain. He had them two lines uh, done when we, he, I think that was, I think it was his idea on the song and he had a little bit of it, uh, thoughts on it kind of mapped out before he threw the idea at me. And he was a co-writer. Yeah. Yeah. And he's my producer. He produced all these songs and he's kind of the guy that brought me to town, uh, originally and kind of, you know, showed me the ropes as far as songwriting among a bunch of other great writers that he got me in the room with. But, um, yeah, I owe a lot of the reason I'm in Nashville is because of him. So, um, anyway, yeah, he had them two lines down. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. And it's always fun when you just get to make up a word Sunday morning, go to church or, yeah. that's, you know, <laughs> which is something that used to happen a lot. There used to be a lot of, uh, creativity and personality and character. I mean, you think of guys like Jerry Reed or, um, uh, oh, why Roger Miller, you yeah. know, guys like oh, that, yeah. they're making Just up words. goofy out there, yeah. All the time. Yeah. I always think of Jerry, too, when he's when he's doing a, a, another puff. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Just thought about having me enough of them cigarette stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so you said, uh, what was your producer's name again? Carson Chamberlain. Carson Chamberlain. Yes. Shout out, shout out, Carson. Yep. Um, and you said he brought you to town. So, yep. so where are you from? From Washington State originally. Uh, long ways away. Yeah, long yeah. ways from home. Uh, yeah, born in a little town called Sunnyside, Washington, a uh, little dairy farm town, kind of grew up the country lifestyle. My dad worked in the livestock business, so we were around horses and cattle a bunch and goats and chickens and all that good stuff. Had a good old-fashioned farm, country raising. Um, so, yeah, lived up there, and uh, we actually moved out of that farm town um, a little later up to the suburbs and uh, – but then I left Washington when I was 17, I guess. Uh, moved out to Colorado, went to school there for a year, and um, then worked as a contractor for about four years, I guess. You quit and, school? Yeah. Oh, you're, yeah. You're just like... I, I don't like to say quit. I like to say I was honorably discharged. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, no, I haven't yeah, heard I that. I'm a fan of that terminology <laughs> for uh, for leaving the educational system. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I remember... A, I remember when I was in college, I remember I felt awkward every day that I had a backpack on. Yeah, and then yeah. it, I had six weeks left of my final semester as a philosophy major. There you go. And uh, I just had an epiphany. I was like, oh, I never wanted to be here. I'm, I, and I'm never going to come back. Yeah. And then my professors were, you know, the philosophy professors, they're like, 
Sounds like you found the answer, my guy. There you yeah, go. <laughs> good, good luck on the journey. Yeah, um, I love it. Were you studying anything there? Or, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to be a mechanical engineer, and I was kind of the same thing. It was I got to be where I was a year uh, from finishing. I had a year left on my degree, and uh, that summer, I believe it was the summer of 2017, I decided, um, much to my parents' chagrin, that I was not going back to school. I let them know. Um, that, uh, yeah, that wasn't for me. And I was going to go work a little construction and save a little money so I could move to Nashville and sing and play for a living. And, um, at the time they didn't think that was the best idea, which is understandable. And I think they've come around on it now. I think, uh, seven or eight time trips to the, uh, golden circle, uh, <laughs> reaffirm that, Ma and Pa. That about, don't, that don't hurt. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy that you, you know, went to school studying mechanical engineering thinking you were yeah. going to be in there fixing cars. Yeah. So. No, no, Lord, no. I was going to be a general contractor. And that's what I did once I quit school. I worked for about four years uh, out in Colorado um, building decks and garages yeah. and, you know, anything you can build with some two by fours. That was me. So at, at what point were you taking writing and, and playing seriously? I mean, I would say I took it seriously from the start. I started playing right before I turned five. Um, and I was, I mean, as a little kid for probably from when I was five to probably 14 or something, I was probably playing two or three hours a day. And we had a little family band and stuff. I got a younger brother, Joram, and then two older sisters, Maddie and Lakin. Uh, we all had, we had a little family bluegrass band and we ran around the Northwest, did all the Grange Halls and bluegrass festivals where they wouldn't throw stuff at us. And um, <laughs> every open mic, dad signed us up for every open mic as soon as we pulled in a festival. Uh, so yeah, I did that for like 10 years. Uh, so it was always, I was always trying to get better and, you know, trying to put on a show. And I, I think I was probably unbearable to my siblings, uh, how much, how seriously I was taking it and how much I wanted to you know, make us practice as a band and all this kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it, it really, you know, once we finished that family band thing, I played in a couple different bluegrass bands after that. Um, one based out of Seattle. Um, and then another that was just kind of hodgepodge. Everybody was from everywhere down Southeast here. Um, but it was, it was always something real serious. I took a serious turn towards country uh, when I got in touch with Carson, I'd always, of course, loved country music. That was first what I grew up on, George Strait and Alan Jackson, a bunch of Marty Robbins, Keith Whitley, you know, all the old Jones and Haggard, all the all the good stuff. Um, the Apostles. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> the Apostles, that's right. And uh, so that was what I first wanted to learn. We happened to, uh, that's what my parents had on in the house all the time. That's just what I grew up on. So, uh, But we when they found a teacher that would take me, and teach me that young. They, uh, she happened to be a big in the bluegrass and old time fiddle scene and stuff up there in Washington. Uh, her name's Marie Park, so I'll shout her out. She's another big reason why I'm here. And uh, but she got us kind of. We had no idea about bluegrass or anything, so she kind of got us turned down that path. And the whole family kind of dove headfirst into it. We spent the next, you know, ten summers, ten twelve summers you know, every weekend going out to a bluegrass festival somewhere in the Northwest and did a bunch of that. And it was even the first lesson I had with her for one thing, I was holding the guitar backwards cause I was left-handed and didn't know it mattered. And my parents had got me a little Walmart first at guitar. And, uh, she asked me what I wanted to learn first after she flipped the guitar around and made me hold it right. And uh, I said, Amarillo by morning. And she said, all right, well, that sounds like a fun idea. Maybe, uh, Let's start with Jesus Loves Me or something, and we can work our way up to that. Maybe <laughs> so, something without bar chords and a key change. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, little did I know. But, yeah, she got my priorities straight and then uh, got me started with a solid foundation on guitar, too. Um, so, yeah, so I always took it serious. But then, yeah, 20, I think the early winter of 2018, or just early in the year in 2018, I think it was January, uh, Daryl Singletary passed away, if I'm remembering those dates correctly. I believe that's when it was. And I posted a video of his song, Spilled Whiskey, on uh, on Facebook, and uh, it kind of blew up for me a little bit. And uh, Carson ended up finding it, uh, from finding me from that video, uh, showed up on the Country Rebel page and stuff. That's where he found it, I think. 
And uh, he sent me an email and didn't say much. He just like, hey, my name's Carson. I work in the music industry. Uh, been doing it for a while. I'm not much for tooting my own horn. You can probably look me up and maybe we should work together. Meet me in this alleyway at yeah. 9 p.m. And that was that was about it. And I just kind of, I glanced at the email, archived it, and never thought another thing about it. And like three weeks later, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, Kinsey, uh, she, I was out on a gig and she called me and she's like, you remember this Chamberlain fella? And I don't know, maybe name rings a bell. And she said, all right, well, I'm sending you a Wikipedia link. You're going to want to look at that. And, uh, and we should probably respond to this mm-hmm. guy. And so I looked at that, you know, it showed all the, he was Whitley's steel player for, uh, his whole country career. And, wow. Yeah. His, and, his live or yeah. in the studio as yeah, well? Live. No, yeah. He wasn't playing on the records, but mm. all the live stuff. And uh, and then tour managed Alan Jackson and Clint Black and uh, I've heard of those guys. Yeah, <laughs> a couple guys maybe. Um, and then uh, produced all that first stuff, uh, the first kind of string of hits for Mark Wills. Uh, same thing, Easton Corbin and Billy Currington. Um, and really? Yeah. Yep. Dude, I I absolutely adore. It. Did he produce um, a little more country than that? Lord, yes. I love that song. Mm-hmm. R- Rory Feek. Mm-hmm. God bless him. Yes, sir. Wouldn't that was Wim Varble on that too? I don't. I think Rory wrote that by himself. By himself. Okay. Yeah, but I don't. But I could be mistaken. But I. I can't um, remember. Don't take everything we say on here as fact, people. Yeah, we're just we're just shooting off the top of the dome. Pretty dumb. So I do want to say, uh, you. I think you're a great singer, uh, and not just you know a lot of there's a lot of talent in this town. Yep. But I think. It's the bluegrass in the youth. I talk about that. I talked about it with Will. Will's the same yep, way. Yep. You boys that start singing to actually hit notes and make a musical product happen when you're five, mm-hmm. I think something different happens in your brain. And that's how you can do those runs and rolls and stuff. Do you think there's something to do of an advantage that's not just like physical or biological that comes from the experience of doing it at such a young age when your brain is a sponge. hundred percent. I think there's a, probably a couple of things that goes into that. For one thing, it is, I think <clears throat> bluegrass in general, they're some of the most technically uh, impressive musicians, I think in the bluegrass world. And it probably is a shame that people don't know that more just because it is a bit more of a niche genre. Although our boy Billy strings is helping to make it maybe not quite so much. Indeed. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, that's a lot of that comes from, I think you can start when you're, it's a super family friendly uh, type of music, all the, all the venues and festivals and anything involving bluegrass is very family oriented. So being five years old, you can go sit in a jam and, uh, you know, it's, people are very welcoming to young kids that want to try and come up and do the same thing. And, you know, it just, you can't go play in Layla's when you're five years old uh, mm-hmm. and learn country music the same way. So I think that's probably, you know, a big part of it is just uh, learning from a younger age than maybe some other genres cater toward um, and getting to be on stage earlier and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I do think it's, uh, it's also kind of a, it's a very, uh, vulnerable type of music you don't have there's nothing covering you up it's you know five maybe six acoustic instruments up there and everybody needs to be rock solid on their instrument or it falls apart quick you know you don't have ambient noise from a drum set covering up or a big rumble from a bass it's you know the doghouse bass is doesn't cover much up and you all got to be pretty on your stuff uh to uh to pull off a good bluegrass show and so i think that lends itself toward just being more uh detail oriented and technically uh um fastidious i don't think that's the word i'm trying to come up with but maybe it's close enough to get the point across uh but just you know i think detail oriented is probably a good good way to put it you have to kind of play with a microscope on yourself a little bit um as opposed to you know if you got a big old loud guitar amp on there and you can bang away some chords and it makes a lot of noise and some stuff gets covered up and i yeah rock music was invented by shitty musicians (laughs) well uh, that was said by peyton collier yeah they got they got good they got good later but i'm saying they're like someone's like somebody probably saw a bluegrass you know family band absolutely crushing it like i'm never gonna be that good (laughs) 
I'm going to th- throw him up some power chords and turn the gain all That's the way right. up. That's um, right. But I think, you know, like you, I really, I think it's very interesting, the, uh, the familial aspect. You said the accessibility. And it seems, mm-hmm. too, that in, like, rural communities and bluegrass and musical communities that the kind of familial, all-inclusive aspect of it is not one of bluegrass music as a culture is not one that you'll find with like these blue bluegrass snobs about playing the fastest. You know, I feel like I imagine that kind of uh, lifestyle in my mind. And I think that it's just like any kid with a guitar that wants a kid and play notes and learn. And, and there's kind of a, there's a jovial nature that is represented of representative of the more rural lifestyles and yep. bluegrass and Western swing music. Yep. That's not really found anywhere else. I just I think like joy, that. you yep. know? Yep. And I think a lot of that too is just from acoustic music, uh, music just made primarily with acoustic instruments is, you know, that's, that's a lot easier to sit on the back porch, uh, and, and play a acoustic guitar than plug a whole band rig in and try to play with a telly and a steel and, you know, a drum set. It's mm-hmm. just being able to sit there with a guitar and a mandolin and a banjo or something is easier to do just logistically. Uh, than other types of music too. So you seen uh, the Ken Burns <clears throat> country music documentary? Yeah, I I have seen most of it. I've it's not sixteen watched, hours. So. Yeah, I've not watched everything just straight through. I, I keep on it's on my to do list kind of to just watch it because I've heard nothing but great stuff about it pretty much. And uh, but yeah, to just watch it from start to finish uh, and catch every bit of it. I have not done yet. Every uh, every musician I know that's seen it, you know, it praises it because it's, uh, it's the, the influx of information that you get from that is unparalleled as, as Ken Burns, you know, typically tends to do. Um, but a lot of people that were just like wanting to watch it for, to see Johnny cash, uh, were veered away pretty quickly because like the first eight episodes are like in 1850, Jerry Lee Libidoo was on a, on a rock playing Uh fiddle for five years Mm -hmm. before anyone ever heard him. Oh yeah, and it goes deep. Yeah, and I think that's such a weird element of being a star now or being being successful. People having dreams to play in front of huge crowds of people is that the source of it. it why we initially did it, you know, a thousand years ago, was joy, a sensation to enjoy your life, and I, I think that's what a lot of musicians and and artists struggle with that love this style of music, that love the sensation of music that comes from that. And then next thing they know, they're thrust into, you know, playing in front of 80,000 people. So for you specifically with having such um, honest musical roots um, and now that you're in a point in your career where you're having new opportunities presented to you, uh, what is your headspace like moving forward, knowing that you're probably about to, that you are already and are going to continue to be operating on a much larger scale. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, you know, I, I think that I'm definitely, um, my, my whole goal in this business is to, uh, is to make the best music I can and share it with as many people as I can. And I think that the purest way to enjoy music is, from a good live band with good sound. And there's something in a live show that you can't recreate on a record. And I love the the stuff that we've recorded and, you know, of course, a ton of stuff that I grew up listening to and all this kind of thing. Um, but there's there's something about live music that uh, is cannot be recreated anywhere else. There's, you know, you're getting what my mind and heart is telling me right now as far as singing or playing or anything, it, like... You're getting from me straight from me to you immediately with no lag, no, you know, no buffer in between. Even on a record, it's like, you know, it's boxed up and goes through a few different levels before it gets to the people who are supposed to enjoy it. And so I think live music is uh, really special in that way. And so I want to, I definitely, you know, I want to play to as big a crowds as I can. I want to sell as many tickets as I can without sacrificing the integrity of the uh the music that i'm making um i think and i think just to your point of uh like 
coming from like the the motivation to be making music. I think that's an interesting thing now in the commercial music world. There's, I feel like you see more and more of, and I'm not going to knock anybody or say that's wrong, but there's a lot more now of people who get famous for some other reason and have an avenue to make music. And then it's like, oh, maybe I'll try and be a country star then. Uh, and so they jump into that and it works for a time, I think, but I think that it's, you end up probably having more of a, more career longevity maybe if it's coming from a place of like, I love making music and I've got something I want to say and music, I think people are going to want to hear. And then the rest comes after that, the, how many people want to hear it and how many people want to buy a ticket and stuff is a secondary thing. It's more, at least that's the way that I came up with just, I've loved music ever since I first heard it. And first time I got my hands on a guitar, I was like, this is what I want to do. And so coming from that motivation, it's kind of, I do want to play as big a show as I can. I want to sell as many tickets as I can, but it's, that's not like, if that doesn't happen, if I, you know, if I don't sell out Nissan stadium, that's not going to be, I've still got to make music you know, for now for a living and, uh, and I'll be able to hold on to that. Cause I just love making music. It's kind of like the, that Luke Combs song to still be doing this. If I wasn't yeah. doing this, you know, if you're doing it for sincerely, if you're doing the right reasons, if it's yeah. coming from an honest place, yeah, the career longevity, I really think, um, is it reflected in the fan base. And, you know, like I was saying, all the people that comment on, you're like, this guy's the real deal. They'll comment on your videos. This guy's real country music. I think uh, the fans and the sport and that longevity is like, if you have 30,000 people say in the world that are truly on your side, that are in your corner, that love what you do and mm. think that you're a great artist, that can mean way more in the long run than having 15 million Spotify listeners that are going to f- forget about you in a year when the next yep. song about goes viral an octopus yeah. Yeah, goes viral yep. or something. Yep. I say octopus because I have these, I have some friends, uh, a great musical duo in, uh, in Arkansas named Cliff and Susan and mm-hmm. uh, Cliff is an amazing fiddle player and Susan's an amazing piano player. And, and they have so many videos on their TikTok that is just them shredding their instruments to be, yeah. it's, you know, 500, 800, a thousand views. Yeah. And then they have one where they did the sour gummy worm octopus pull apart challenge, <laughs> which and is where eight people that... pull it. And then whoever it's, it's like short of straw. Yeah, yeah. And then that one has, which everyone gets the body of the octopus wins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two and a half million views. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And, uh, you know, and so I, I talk about social media in every single episode that I do of this podcast, yep. especially with artists because, and, and not just the session musicians, but the artists specifically because they, it's such a different time. It's such a different beast to be creating something, one, wanting to have a successful career, two, wanting it to be genuine and honest and with musical and audible integrity. Yeah. And, and three a piece of the masses on social media. That's yeah. how, that's how you have a career. So I always, you know, just talk about like, so for you, what, what is your rela- relationship with social media? Do you have a team of people? Do you do it all by yourself? And how do you balance being a normal person, being normal Zach and being creative, productive Zach and not getting too, you know, swept up in the feed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I recently, I have a team that helps out with my social media. Um, they, they schedule out posts and we get a bunch of content put together and so they can schedule it out for a couple weeks in advance and stuff like that, which is so helpful. Um, it keeps me for a long time there just doing it on my own. And my wife was helping me too. Um, it, you know, it just, became a thing that I dreaded and hated to do because it was like on the to-do list every day, you know, make a TikTok video or whatever and uh, get it posted. And the mechanics of doing that was just something I hated, you know, trying to come up with a witty caption or something or trying to whatever. And then it 
it ended up just invariably being something that I just put off for days and days at a time. So I wouldn't post much. And, uh, you know, the nature of social media, you need to have a regular diet of stuff going out. Um, and so it's been very helpful having a team that we can kind of systematically get a bunch of stuff put together and then they can take that and use that for a while. And then we'll get together again for another day, shoot a bunch of stuff. And so that makes it easier for me. I don't, the social media thing for me is out of necessity. That's just as a <clears throat> independent artist, that's, you know, your best tool that you have. It's, I, I talk a lot of shit about it and I don't, you know, enjoy it the most, but it, it's better than not having it. You know, it kind of used to be if, if you came to town and knocked on the record label doors and they all told you no, then, well, you're going back home and you're going to keep playing in your local dive bar and, pretty hard to get out of that i think and nowadays it's at least you can reach anybody anywhere in the world um as as many bad things as there are about social media it is a hugely useful tool to uh to independent artists for sure so i try and embrace it for that and don't get too caught up in you know what uh the trends are and what's viral right now and whatever uh i just try to do my thing, which is, you know, what my videos are pretty much just sit there and play the guitar and sing a song. And, uh, so far that's been pretty well received. Um, so I just keep on doing that. I guess I like doing that. I like singing and playing. So share that with the world. And so far, uh, most folks seem to enjoy it. So, um, I've been able to have a good, you know, kind of arm's length, relationship with it a little bit and it's definitely very useful and I'm thankful for it and thankful for the platforms that you know allow me to reach folks in Australia that I wouldn't otherwise yeah. reach that's for sure um and you know and it's it is nice everybody that feels the need to come in and comment uh you know something real nice about saving country music or love these songs, you know, this guy's the messiah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) There's some of that, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it's, and I like to interact with those folks and, and try to make them feel like, you know, it's a communal space a little bit. I'm sharing what, uh, what I've got with them and they leave me a nice comment and I try to respond to some stuff and interact with folks and, you know, the Australia part is cool about it. I, I think one of the, the bad downsides you said, you know, nowadays you can get in touch with anybody anywhere, pretty much at any time. If, 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 if it's a reasonable, you know, uh, reach out or request yeah. or something. Uh, but the, the down part is kind of the sour side too, is that if you do go viral, if you do explode, if someone realizes that they can make money off of you, opportunities will, oh, yeah. will, you know, appear out of thin air. Yeah. And that's, you got to weed through a lot of it, but then yeah, of course that's how I found you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't, when did you, you said that you did the Daryl video in 2017, 18, he, I believe when he early in 2018. Yeah. God rest his soul. <clears throat> yes, um, sir. Such a voice yeah. and talent. Um, but I'm trying to think it, at some point in like the last two years, you would have popped in, in my feed and, and yeah. you know, noticed you, um, but so you've got this song, uh, that I show, I was spending some time with my family on the 4th of July and, uh, and I showed my stepfather this song who, who loves, you know, more more of a Glenn Campbell style yeah, of, uh, yeah. country music. And sure. I was like, you really got to listen to this song. There's the sun. There's a very special quaint, you know, and subtle beauty to this song and, and yep. the simplicity of the words. And it, it, to me, it sounds like you went out of your way to not overcomplicate the lyrics in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that song is very special. I think it is you, one of the most sincerely beautiful and honest songs I've heard um, in, in a couple of years. Um, so tell me about writing that and yeah. kind of what that, that one means to you. Yeah, that was, I wrote that with Carson Chamberlain and Wyatt McCubbin. I believe it was Wyatt's uh, idea that there's the sun, there's the moon. I think he had it hooked a little different, and Carson actually had the idea to, well, it seemed obvious to him, Wyatt kind of threw out that idea, and I think Carson was the one that was like, well, it's got to be, then there's you after that. And I was like, duh, when he said it, it's like, yeah, that's it right there. And it kind of, it seemed like the rest of the song fell out pretty quick after that. Um, and yeah, it just, you know, it's kind of a, love letter to whoever you want to be 
writing a love letter to and uh and just yeah telling somebody how it's you know you're the best thing i've got going in my whole world and i don't want to know this world without you um you know in so many words and i think it's just a little bit of a fresh way to say it maybe it just kind of an interesting take on it that Wyatt had that i just love and uh glad i got to be a part of that song and uh yeah i don't know that's about what i remember from writing it and uh we i i think we all knew by the time we got the song done we had something kind of special so because that was shoot we wrote that back in uh spring of 2020 i think and that just came out whatever it was last fall wasn't it i think so um so it'd been sitting around for a while, but we knew it was going to be right there at the top of the list when we went in to record some stuff for the first time, uh, that, that needed to be one of them. So, and it's, you know, people have definitely responded well to it and I'm really glad cause I always thought it was a special song and it meant a lot to me. And, uh, so it's nice to see folks have, uh, really fallen in love with it as well. Yeah. I think if you have somebody in your life that you can attribute that, that song to, um, it uh it, it like it's such a simplistic beauty it's like i uh i can listen to george Strait sing dean dylan songs all yeah. day and i'm just like best to ever do it he's 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 the king right yeah, and then when i listen to <laughs> dean sing his own songs it just strikes a totally different chord probably yeah. because of the voicings and tuning yep. that he's using yep. a lot of that um but like when i every time i hear dean sing miami regardless of what the setting is yeah um, you know, it makes me tear up yep. because it's just like, um, it's just so real. And I, yeah, I feel that way about that song. And I think Appreciate your that. song, there's a son, of course, um, that, and I, I think other people do too. So I think if you've anyone who's listening to that, that can attribute that kind of physical or, um, emotional beauty to someone in their life, it will, it will resonate with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think you get that with, um, other songs that are, um, more more about you know di- diving off the boat and looking at fat booties or whatnot. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else is out there because I, I haven't listened to Radio Country yeah, in so yeah, yeah. long. And um, but uh, but you know that 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 one's very special. So Thank th- you, thanks man. for putting it out that. there. Uh, yeah, I mean it sincerely. Um, and then you just had a a new heater drop. You've been uh, I, oh I want to say too as far as social media. I love you on the boat. Videos. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is doing that. You're yeah. just like. All this promo you've been doing, just hanging out on the lake with the yep. acoustic guitar. That's yep. great. Uh, but you just had jo- just a Jones and drop. Yes, sir. And uh, so that one is co- totally different direction from theirs. This yeah. song, I think still that, a love song, but <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. But we see we uh, we're back to that you know cold beer country music. Uh, yeah, that, that honky tonk inside of you. Yes, sir. Um, so, do you still at this point in your life, you know, like to spend a, a lot of time getting? getting dirty in the honky tonk or is that you just getting on stage and going home? Um, man, I love it. I don't, I really don't, you know, we live just south of town here down in spring Hill and, uh, I don't go out a ton cause it's kind of a haul, uh, to get up to Nashville. Um, it's probably good that I live a little ways away. I'd probably spend more time than I ought to in the honky tonks if, uh, if not, but I love going out, you know, we, every time I play the Opry, I'm just, pumped after that and want to go out and so we'll go over to music city bar and grill or something or the locals another great spot i know you've been there a bunch and um so i i freaking love it i'm you know as dwight said i am a honky-tonk man and uh i definitely (laughs) feel that way so i i think i uh i have a nice uh healthy balance with being a honky-tonk man i try to live a real life uh most of the time and go ahead and have a little fun every now and then yeah. Yeah. Just a Jones and baby, just a Jones and for mm-hmm. you. Um, and Brent's got some, he, that's Brent on that as yeah. well, right? Oh yeah. 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 He's got some, he's got some surprise licks in there mm-hmm. too. Um, so what, what about, uh, of course a lot of people don't really want to spoil their plans and stuff, but do you have plans for releasing a full length album? Are you guys going to do uh singles for a while? Which, yeah. Um, seems we, to be all you can get, all you can grab people for anymore is about yeah. two minutes of their time. So yeah, exactly worth it yeah no i uh yeah we have plans for putting a full-length album out we've got a bunch of songs cut and uh and so just kind of trying to figure out the best way that we can put it out to uh you know 
have it splash the biggest we can and uh, get the most people's attention. And I think as far as my fan base goes, I think they're ready for just a larger body of work to enjoy. It's kind of, um, I know I'd be frustrated if uh, if I had an artist I loved and went and looked at their catalog and they only got six songs to listen to. So um, I I would definitely want to give people a big chunk of work. And, uh, you know, we've been writing for the last several, few years, I guess, um, and stacking up a ton of songs um, and a lot of stuff that I'm really excited for people to hear. And uh, so hopefully, you know, I ain't got dates or nothing. I can't really nail nothing down or give a leak a, a release date or nothing, but we uh, hopefully very soon. Um, be prepared for a larger volume. Yeah. Keep on the edge of your seat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully there's no Zach Top fans just standing on the ledge of a building yeah. <laughs> waiting for the new song to drop. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. So do you feel like, uh, you know, in, of course, to quote, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. David Allen Coe, mm-hmm. uh, if you're big star bound, it's a long, hard ride mm-hmm. in the music industry. Once you develop a large enough following that you're kind of, you're kind of going up the hill, but then you get to a point to where not that it gets easy or that your work stops, but that it's like things are happening to you rather than you having to make things happen and go out it, and chase it, them down. Yeah. And it seems like that's happening uh, to you. So where, where's your kind of headspace about like, say what the next five years might hold for you now that you're at a different point in the hill journey. Yeah. Um, you're not Sisyphus anymore, you know, rolling the rock up the hill Yeah, yeah, yeah. and come back down. on you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I do for the most part feel uh pretty relaxed about it. It you know, I'm I'm uh hugely excited about most stuff that we got going on right now. I'm pumped. Uh just got we got signed with William Morris a little bit ago. That team over there has been great. Uh Jay Williams and Kanan and Alex and all of them, they uh Beth, uh they've just been jumping right in, diving in headfirst and getting to work for me, which has been great. Um, should be lots of fun stuff coming up soon that we'll be able to announce, um, going on, we'll be on tour with the steel woods all, uh, all fall pretty much. And some Ashley McBride dates as well mixed in there, which I'm really excited about, um, which is thanks to them WME folks. Um, <clears throat> so there's lots of fun stuff happening. I'm super excited. There's a lot of work to do. Um, I definitely stay plenty busy, but it just, Whenever I like, if there's ever a tough day and I'm feeling burned out or something, it's just easy to, at the end of the day, realize that it's like, man, there ain't a damn thing in the world I'd rather be doing. Right. And so you take the, you know, a lot of the logistical stuff and the behind the scenes stuff that isn't as much fun. You uh, forget about that as soon as a downbeat hits uh, on a show at night or when you get to get back in the studio or write a song or like there's, so much of this job, I guess, that is so much fun for me. It's, I, I can't, uh, sit here and, uh, actually complain about any of it. It's, it's really awesome. And there's, you know, it's, there's challenges to every bit of it. And there's, you know, plenty of long van rides, uh, with too many of us packed in a 15 passenger Chevy van. Um, but, uh, that stuff, you know, we got a great crew out with us right now. Uh, as far as my band and stuff, we have a great time on the road and a bunch of really solid folks and there's, you know, we have fun with it. Uh, the, the parts that aren't as much fun, we make fun and, uh, it's all worth it when we get to get on stage and, and play music for folks. I think there's a, uh, there's a point to just in, in your life and career where like I always, when people, I talk to people about the Opry cause you know, obviously I talk to country artists and yeah. stuff. So that's, that's a, that's a big uh, symbol for a lot of people. And I always say, you yep. know, what was it like being on the Opry or whatever? Yep. And uh, it's kind of, it seems kind of cliche and flatlined to ask people, you know, what's, how does it feel to do this? How does it feel to do this? When at a certain point, the new of all these opportunities wears off and you're in a point in your life where you're like, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing what, you know, 
the the Lord planned for me. And yep. I don't I don't mean quite like the Luke Combs doing this thing where like even if I wasn't making any money or if I wasn't yep. on the Opry stage, I'd I'd still be doing this in a stable in yeah. Washington State playing right. to the goats. Right. <laughs> even if I wasn't making a million dollars. Yeah. You know, I can appreciate that sentiment. But I but I more so just mean, you know, Tom Brady's supposed to be a football quarterback. Zach Top's supposed to be a country singer. And it's about as simple as that. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, that you're at that point now that we're, you are doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. It it will, you know, feel feel natural. And especially yeah. you, the, having the team of people help yep. too. Having all these people that come in that are invested in you. Um, is that's, that's a big part that makes these dreams actually happen is when 100%. you get other people on your side, yep. right? Yep. Big time. Yeah. And it's like you said, I, I don't think I really spoke much to that, but like you said, where like eventually instead of having to chase opportunities down, they start presenting themselves a little more and it becomes, <clears throat> pardon me, a little more of like uh, trying to prioritize your time and uh, take advantage of the most meaningful opportunities. Cause you do got to say no a lot uh, eventually and you can't make everybody happy and, do every little thing and make every little, you know, podcast appearance or whatever it may be. Yes. And so it's, <laughs> there you go. You made the cut. No, it's uh that's nothing to write home about. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. But, um, it's, you know, it, it does. I think that's a big struggle for me right now <clears throat> is trying to prioritize my time. It's kind of like there's all these people online or, you know, through social media, that's, they want more of Zach Top. They want me to be sharing more, posting more music, releasing more music, all this kind of thing. And there's, on the business side of things, there's, you know, the agents want me working as much as I can. And I think I can tend to be a little bit of a workaholic and just never turn off. And uh, just my mind's always going just, thinking on the next thing and what's, you know, we need to advance this show. We need to, well, what's the next single? We got to be thinking about picking the next single. Are we shooting a video for it? There's, there's always something to be working on like every minute of every day, pretty much. And I love doing that. And, but I think there is, I'm starting to learn that like, you need to have a balance at some point too. You got to, you know, like going home and being present with my wife and actually spending time with her and not just, well, yeah, I'm home, but I'm still on my phone or on the computer and trying to work while I'm home (laughs) on the Mm -hmm. phone or whatever. And, uh, so it's, that's been an interesting thing for me lately is trying to, like you said, it's less chasing down the opportunities anymore. Um, and you know, there's still plenty of that, but there are more being presented to me. And so it's kind of like, trying to pick which ones are the best and which feel right to me and seem like they're going to be the most worthwhile and prioritizing your time and being able to live a little bit outside of just the being a music machine too, um, which I think I could tend to be very quickly without any balance in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. how, how do you wind down now? Um, that, and and how, how's your wife responding to your place on the hill? You know, Oh, she's, um, she's dealing with all the buzz. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, she's great. She, I think she kind of knew what she was getting herself into before we, uh, hitched up, I suppose. Um, so I think she can see it coming and she's very good about like proactively, um, like preparing for next stages of life and like things getting busier and things getting more hectic and just, life looking different and she's good about I think I just tend to more roll with the punches and be reactive and kind of well we'll burn that bridge when we Mm -hmm. get there and she's like no we need to prepare to you know like how are we going to deal with this when you're you know if you're going to be gone for two months straight what's that going to look like for us for life Mm -hmm. and things like that so she's great I think she's uh she definitely uh keeps our little life running um with what little help I offer her I think (laughs) Um, <laughs> I like how you said we'll burn that bridge when we get there and there not cross that bridge. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> no, I got I like the it. old think, Brooks and Dunn lyrics yeah, on my yeah. mind. I'm going to start saying that we'll burn that bridge when we get there. Yeah. Instead of, instead of crossing it. Yeah. Um, 
And so just, just, just a couple quick things here. Yeah. Some more like rapid fire stuff. So um, we, we've been talking about Dean Dillon. Yeah. What is, what, what's your favorite Dean song? Oh, Could be cut by anybody. That's so hard. There's so many. Um, I just, I'll tell you one that I've been obsessed with lately that wasn't no big hit or anything is uh, if it's going to rain. I just put a video of that on my TikTok last night. If it's going to rain, mm. I hope it pours. I think that's who sings, one of who, the... Who cut that? Straight did it. Um, okay. But then uh, my favorite version is Ronnie Millsap. Um, yeah, oh, so it is an older song. I guess yeah. I don't know that one. Yeah, a little older. You must know, must as far not as, be on the 50 number one. So. No, no, it is not. It wasn't a hit or a yeah. single or anything. Um, but it's Dean and Scotty Emmerich. I think a lot of the the guitar work on that is so good. The, the little lick on it. It's beautiful, beautiful melody, awesome lyrics, and just kind of a sleeper of a song that I think is phenomenal. Really? So that's awesome. my latest favoritist. My uh, my latest favoritist is um, uh, if I know me. There you go. Yeah, man, that's uh, a great one. I'll turn this car. It's straight, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, yeah. what's well, just that harmony sync on the yeah. me that me. Yep. Um, done a down that major seventh. There. Lord, yes. Um, can't but, get uh, enough major sevenths. Ding got a bunch of them. Do you know? Um, do you know living for the night? Yeah, I'm just living yeah. for the night. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorites too. Daylight that's can't another, hide the tears. Yeah, I, or daylight can't hide the tears. I, I cried the cried, pain that came, came with, with your you. goodbye. The memories that keep me satisfied. Out of sight. Out of sight. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Out of sight. Yeah. So it's such a there's a darkness to that's that. That's another one. kind of sleeper too. too. Yeah, that yeah. not every you know everybody knows Miami, Miami, and the chair and all that stuff. But that one's that's right. a great one. That's my uh, my favorite George Strait. That is a sleeper that a lot of people don't know is uh, some nights on Honky Tonk. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, His son Bubba was like yeah, the chief co-writer on that. Okay, on that song and um, yeah, yeah, and I sent it to that's somebody and. Uh, Somebody, just just silly sto- side story here. I sent it to my buddy who loves kind of deep, thoughtful country songs yeah. like that. Yeah. And he said, this is the worst fun cover I've ever heard. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, some yeah. nights. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, but That's anyway, funny. so uh, so uh, you want to do a tune or two? You got one yeah, or two? Be happy up? to. Be happy to. This is, uh, this is new. We haven't done this in a while because I like to typically uh, veer on the... Uh, just the conversational side, getting yeah. the mind of the, uh, getting the psychology of the mind of artists and musicians here. But when and then you discovered that there's not much to uh, to find in the psychology or the mind of me, <laughs> so we better just listen to him sing. I'm like, <laughs> well, we didn't get anything of value. Hopefully, he can save the day with his singing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so one of the very first people to perform on the podcast here. What you going to do for us, Zach? Um. Well, if you want me to. Do two. I'll uh I'll give you a little snippet of there's the sun or something and then I'll uh I'll play Yeah, you don't have one. to play the full thing either. Yeah, just I'll just do I'll give a little little snippet of it. I'm excited. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Top with There's the Sun. I might sound crazy now, but I'll say it anyhow, cause I want you to hear my heart, baby. I'll never win no prize for pretty words and rhymes, but you'll feel what I'm feeling, baby. Thought I knew what beautiful was. There's the sun, there's the moon, there's million dollar skyline views, and there's Rocky Mountain highs, oceans rolling wild and blue. There's the sun, there's the moon. Then there's you. (laughs) 
I'm so I fretted her down a little bit and forgot where I was. I'm I'm so glad you uh let me turn this off. I'm so glad you missed that note at the end because I was about <laughs> to I was about to tear up. Um I mean that it's crazy too. Uh you think just how many people are in there super glued to Pro Tools auto tune and that you can just rip that out like that and um Thank you, man. It um yeah, it's, I, I will say it's a privilege to hear your voice in the headphones live. Honestly. I appreciate that, man. Um, but he is human, y'all. He missed that note at the I end. Did. I did. I just, screwed that up. I was, I was getting tuned in my head. I was like, shit, I'm going to tear up on the podcast. And then, <laughs> thank God you brought me back into the real world with that. that Have surprise a chuckle. Flat. Yeah. So what, what are we doing now? Let me uh, tune in first, I guess. You can edit this out, right? Yeah. I can. We doing the new one? Yeah, man. I was going to give you a little snippet of that since we're still trying to promo that a little bit and get folks excited about it. Let's do it. He's not on a boat, baby, but uh, (laughs) tell tell us the name of your new song. Yeah, brand new song just come out. It's called Just a Jones. Come on. It ain't the 90 proof whiskey Or the way the straight tequila hits me It ain't the cold bear that gets me here Girl, I'm just a jonesing for you It ain't the honky-tonking guitars Or the one of them $50 cigars it ain't the swinging doors or sawdust floors, girl. I'm just a jonesing for you. You've got me just a jonesing. You've got me just a moan in the blues, like some old neon corner jukebox, girl. You got me just a jonesing for you. Or the high life sign buzzing on the wall It ain't the big blocks in the parking lot Girl, I'm just a jonesing for you You've got me just a jonesing You've got me just a moan in the blues Like some old neon corner jukebox Girl, you got me just a jonesing for you Girl, it's you. You got me just a jonesing. You got me just a moan in the blues. Like some old neon corner jukebox, girl. You got me just a jonesing for you. You got me just a jonesing. Yeah, you got me jonesing. Like some old neon cornered jukebox girl, you got me just a jonesing for you. Shockingly good. Oh my god. Thank you, man. I appreciate Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. Dude, so just I mean your sense of do you have perfect pitch? I don't know about that. Like, if I get on the keyboard and I give you a surprise, you know, E-flat 5, are you going to know? I can, I I don't know that it's actually perfect pitch. The way I do that is I can, I know where my voice sits on pretty Mm. much everything. So if you give me a note, I'll sing it and then I'll know, yeah, that feels like an E-flat and I can tell you then. And usually that I can be pretty good at. I I can, I kind of do that with like a guitar riffs yeah for finding the keys of songs like absolutely listen to a radio song you know i'm or like i'm like oh where, where's chattahoochee in my head okay there's my c right right, there. right absolutely yeah. yeah um but uh so can you just can you sing like that when you get like get out of 
bed. Like, no. So you like, no. does it take you a while to warm up? Or are you like, oh, I might be singing at this podcast. I'm going to sing my own songs a couple times in the truck. On the way over. No. Well, I got, you know, I, I wrote earlier today. Mm. So I, you know, I was kind of warmed up and it had been a second since I sang. So it was a little scratchy, but um, no, it's uh, I definitely, I guess I, I can sing not at the regular pitches. If I get up at nine o'clock, I'll sing like Don Williams. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I can still sing, I guess, but it's not, I can't. Usually I'm singing up there with Bill Monroe and I can't do that yeah. at nine o'clock. <laughs> Dude, uh, I'll tell you, uh, we saw on Tuesday, I got to see Del McCory for oh, yeah. the first Heck time yeah, ever. Dude, it's unbelievable how well he can sing oh, at yeah, his dude. age. He's like, still getting it. The purity yeah. of his vocal tone yeah, and man. stuff. But, I uh, love Del. Well, I got to say, dude, uh, th- thanks for per- performing uh, a couple snippets of the it. songs and congrats on your new single. Congrats on everything you got going Thank you, on. Brother. And, um, I sh- I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come over here and do this. I'm sure your next interview is going to be on Jimmy Fallon or something. <laughs> well, shoot, man, I thank you for having me over here. <laughs> he it really won't. has been a pleasure, and I bet I won't be able to talk about as much country music with Jimmy Fallon. So yeah, Jimmy Fallon can't find the C uh, on Chattahoochee and other songs. There you go. Well, he might. He's actually you know he does. He's music, a little musical, yeah. Pretty. Uh, we try to keep. We try to get a little deeper in the weeds here. Absolutely, um, I so, appreciate that. All right, pleasure. everybody, you're gonna have to listen to his new song. You just heard it, just to Jones, and it's available now on all streaming platforms. And stay tuned for more exciting news and tunes. Also, you, you had uh, the music video for "There's the Sun" yeah. came out recently, yeah. so go check that out on yeah. YouTube. One other shameless plug. Yeah, plug uh, it all. If you got, I, I'll be everywhere this fall, out west and elsewhere uh check my website zach dash top well i think it's actually a hyphen whatever the horizontal one z-a-c-h horizontal dash t-o-p dot com uh tour dates are all on there come see me at a show near you i'd love to shake and howdy with you we're gonna have to get on GoDaddy and get ZachTop.com back. Oh, I know. The, the Somebody's cyber squatting on it right now. Yeah. I'd I'd have the uh the regular domain, but that's how I cyber squatting. I got I got mine. My website's not even active yet, but really? I had a cyber squatter and I I, I out squatted him. I'm I gave him four hundred bucks to get my names go. and I did that like six years ago. Really? Yeah, so right now it's like twenty bucks a year. I just I wanted to kick the guy's ass. I didn't want to pay him, so I still haven't got over it, and I still don't want to pay him. So we'll find out where he lives. Uh, one last thing too. So you're you're playing with Ashley too. Yes, uh, Ashley McBride. Ashley She's McBride. Yep, Arkansas boy. So you know, yeah. we're we're real proud of Ashley back home. Lord, yes. Um, but I I think too she's somebody that is putting the song first, dude. Yeah, and has the great singer, great writer. Up. Yeah, we'll be out. Our first show with her is actually August 5, coming right up Saturday, August 5, in Sandpoint, Idaho. And then we got three more dates with her in November, November 1, 2, and 3, I believe. We're going to be St. Petersburg, Florida, and then coming up through Georgia. So nice. check those out. Those will be fun. Keep your eyes and ears peeled, everybody. He's on the rise, and he's um, he's tearing it up. And I, I sure appreciate sitting down with you, Zach. Thank, Thank you so you, much. Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Top. we'll see you next time on the Peyton Collier Podcast. <laughs>